Threads of Time, Chapter 13, Troy. All good things must come to an end. A lot of kids hate school and can't wait until they're able to move on, but I loved it. A dirty little secret I rarely shared with anyone. School was a huge part of my very identity. My friends, the quest for knowledge, sports, I loved all of it. As my senior year progressed along, the day of my graduation hovered on the horizon like something I was simultaneously looking forward to and dreading. Graduation for me was a signpost along life's road, sure, but it is an immovable signpost. One that read, caution, uncertain roads ahead. It also is, I am positive, a sad little marker about a stage in life that I will never be able to return to. A time when family and social dynamics would change forever and when my security and livelihood would irrevocably become my responsibility. The end of innocence. The last dwindling days of youthful recklessness and irresponsibility. Serious adulthood awaited just beyond that landmark day. My graduation ceremony was held out at the Willow Glen High School football stadium at 10 o'clock on a sunny morning. The day was already hot. The skies would be blue and the sun blazing, but I managed to keep from perspiring too much as the endless roll of names was read off by the principal and all my classmates received their hard-earned, or in some cases, barely-earned, diplomas, beaming proudly from beneath their mortar boards and waving to the folks that had come to give them moral support. Nat squealed when I received mine, followed by an girl shout from my dad, causing me to blush. I took my seat again as the festivities wrapped up, already thinking about getting through the summer and going off to college. I had a summer job at Dairy Queen that I was supposed to resume on Monday. The cash would come in handy. After a droning final speech, we tossed our caps in the air and everybody hurrahed and started hugging each other. I found Nat in the crowd, gave her a big hug, and talked about all that we'd have to do before the summer, our final normal summer, I thought sadly, came to an end. As I stood there gabbing, my dad found me as well. Hey, darling, he said. I'm so proud of you. I know your mom's so proud of you, too. I wish she was here to see it. There was a sad look in his eyes. I could tell that he had, at some point of the ceremony, shed some tears. She saw, I said with conviction. I looked toward the sky. She's up there in heaven and saw all of it. I think she even put the request in with God to give us a pretty day. It's beautiful, Dad said just like you. He leaned in, gave me a kiss on the cheek, and put something in my hand. I looked down and found a card. Read it later, he said. Not now. Enjoy your time with your friends. Okay, I said. Dad, I'll be home a little later. Is that all right? He nodded. Have fun, Ab, he said before disappearing into the crowd. After all the hoopla of graduation died down, summer rolled on as if we seniors were just another insignificant cog in the groaning machine that relentlessly churned out the years. I was back working at the Dairy Queen, spending most of my time at the counter. My friend Nat got off the hook, spending most of her summer either traveling or at the mall. Some people have it so good. One day I was getting ready for the busy lunch rush, filling the napkins, condiment, and straw holders when Troy Casco walked in. Needless to say, I was not expecting to run into him anytime soon, but there he was. And here I was, dressed in my Dairy Queen uniform, totally unprepared for his visit. At one moment I was wiping hot fudge off my fingers, and the next I was looking at his gorgeous, grinning face. Hey, Abby, he said. 
I noticed that he was taller than I remembered, at least 6'4", I would say. His hair a stylish blonde mop that framed his perfect high cheekbones and sparkling green eyes. How you been? I could hardly speak. Had to remember how to do it for a moment, it seemed. Hi, uh, Troy. Nice to see you. How long has it been? He wondered aloud, then shot me a sideways stare. You graduated, didn't you? Yep, I said, feeling a little older help for sure. Just a couple weeks ago, actually. Nice. A line was forming behind him, and he seemed to become aware of it just in that moment. Hey, listen, I, I know you're really busy, so I'll leave you alone. Do you want to catch up sometime? I I'll take you out. My treat. My heart burst in a million pieces. Troy was asking me out. Really? Uh, yeah, sure. Jot down your number, and I'll call you tonight. Okay. When do you get off? Six. I jotted down my number on the napkin and handed it to him. You can call me anytime after. He examined the number, then folded it up and shoved it into his front jean pocket. Great, I'll call you tonight. Good seeing you. He disappeared in the throng, and my attention turned to my workstation, where I found my co-workers gawking at me and grinning to themselves. I didn't care. Troy, Troy Casco, my long-held crush, had just asked me out. I could not even feel the ground beneath my feet as I walked away from them. True to his word, my cell phone buzzed around 7 that night, and it was Troy. My heart dislodged, tried to climb out of my throat. I forced it back, closing my eyes and concentrating on trying to maintain at least a semblance of calm. Once I thought I might be adequately composed, I swiped the face of the phone with my index finger and lifted it to my face. We talked for just a little while, mostly small talk, but long enough to set a date for that weekend. Troy suggested pizza and a movie, and I agreed. We were going to meet at 7 o'clock on Friday night at the pizza place, giving me time enough to get home, take a shower, and get changed. With dinner plans settled, we disconnected, and I sat on the edge of the bed, feeling heady and wondering what I was going to wear. As I pawed through the clothes hanging in the closet, I came to the inevitable conclusion that I might have to go to the store and buy something. The day seemed to crawl by that week, and I was thankful that work was going to occupy my time before Friday night. Still, it seemed like an eternity. On Thursday, I went to a Kohl's in a nearby town and found a cute little dress that seemed appropriate for my date. Something casual, but sort of elegant, too. Dad demanded to meet Troy before we headed out, but he didn't need to be concerned himself. My date seemed already planning on doing so as he came up to the door and asked for him. Dad met Troy in the living room, smiling but sizing him up with his eyes. I stood off to one side, hoping that he wouldn't say anything too embarrassing, that he wouldn't be critical or mean in any way. That really wasn't Dad's way, but this was one of the few dates I'd been on. I could tell that somehow my father knew that this was no ordinary boy. He didn't say anything, but something in the way he analyzed me the few days before our date told me more than enough. The two men shook hands and Dad asked Troy to sit. So, Troy, he said, folding his hands on one knee, what do you do for a living? Here we go, I thought, sighing. But Troy took it all in style. Well, sir, since college I've been using some funds from a trust to do some traveling. Trying to find myself, I suppose you can say. Find yourself, Dad said. I see. Well, sounds like it was quite a unique opportunity. It really was, Mr. Richardson. And what did you find out about yourself? Dad, I exclaimed. What? 
I'm not trying to be rude. I'm interested in... Troy laughed. It's okay. Fair question. He rubbed his chin thoughtfully. After a moment, he said, What I found out about myself is that I've been put on this earth to do accomplish great things. I'm going to get busy to ensure I do. Hmm, Dad said. I examined my father's face for any tells to how he was assessing Troy, but it was a blank slate. I knew better than to take it at face value, however, as I knew that the wheels of his brain were grinding away just the same. He seemed to be considering what to say next, but I wasn't going to let him go any further down that road. I jumped into the silence. Well, I guess we better be going, don't you think, Troy? Troy looked up and smiled. I'm ready when you are. Donnie's Pizza was one of those typical hole-in-the-wall pizzerias that you can find in any average town lucky enough to have one. A white, squat building with tables and chairs to host about 50 people at a time. Donnie's was nothing fancy to look at, but, as is true with most dives like this, the food is what brought the crowds in. The parking lot was half full when we arrived, and we squeezed into the small foyer behind an older couple waiting for their table to be cleared. Donnie had not spent much time decorating the place. There was an aging Pac-Man and Centipede video game system standing near the entrance in one corner, about 10 to 12 tables, each covered with that red and white checkerboard design that seemed custom-made for pizzerias like this, and cheap posters of vineyards and Italy street scenes affixed in plastic frames. Beyond the dining room was the kitchen, where three or four college-age chefs were bustling about, tossing handfuls of cheese on steel plates of dough or pulling steaming pies from the large brick oven. After a short wait, we were escorted to a table in the corner and handed plastic menus. Special is the meat calzone for $6, the waitress murmured. Comes with the salad, but no drink. Drink is extra. I nodded, looking at the menu. The waitress left us to our perusing, and after a few minutes, we decided on a medium pizza, one side with Troy's pick of meats and onions, my side with black olives and mushrooms. Troy also ordered a pitcher of Coke. So, what's new? Troy asked, folding his hands in front of him on the table. What have you been up to lately? I let out a breath. Work, work, and work. Trying to save up funds for college. College, Troy repeated, grinning and shaking his head. That's a whole other subject, isn't it? I shrugged, looking around at the other diners. Sometimes, I said. I feel like it's a necessary evil, a step I've got to take to realize my dreams. Other times, it just feels like something expected of us when we leave high school. It's hard, isn't it? Troy asked. Leaving childhood behind and taking on adult stuff. Someday, we'll look back and realize that in our hurry to grow up, we've left behind the best years of our life. The time before, he waved a hand in the air, all the rest of it, bills, the nine to five, expectations, children, all of it. Yeah, I said. Truth be told, I was excited about the future and what it held. I think God might give an extra dose of optimism to the young, like medication to get us through the drudgery of late night study sessions and Scantron tests. Troy chuckled. You might be onto something there. The pizza came about ten minutes later, and as the first aromas of cheese hit my nose, my mouth started watering. Suddenly, I was hungry, like it was a newly discovered dynamic that I had never experienced before. 
Troy dished me up a large slice, ooing as the cheese stretched up from the rest of the pizza. Then he selected his own floppy slice. Amazing, he said after the first bite. Donnie is a master of the art. Seriously, I replied, my mouth half full. No wonder this is the favorite haunt in town. Troy looked around. Can't believe I've never been in here before. We came here all the time, I said, wistfully. Usually me and Nat, my best friend. Most of the time we didn't have much money, but we'd play the old arcade games and look at the boys. Other times I'd be able to scrounge some money together doing chores or just begging my dad for it, and we'd get a hot slice of pizza and a Coke and go to the park. Nat would be heading off to college a few states away, and I was suddenly hit by the thought that everything was going to change for us. No more passing notes in school and hanging out at our lockers and having all summer to just screw around. Adulthood was happening. It was already in the process, actually, whether we liked it or not. People tend to think that growing up is all about a time when childhood must be abandoned, that somehow all the magic and innocence of the younger years must be sacrificed on the altar of adulthood, killed cruelly. But I don't want it to end. Yes, in a sense, we all must grow up, take on bigger responsibilities, fill bigger shoes, but it should all be a part of recognizing those dreams we had when we were kids. For me, adulthood isn't about killing childhood dreams, but trying desperately to fulfill those things that have been locked away in my heart. Only in adulthood can we follow through in the promises, the, the big ambitious ones we made to ourselves as children. Growing up isn't just about growing older any more than writing is just about transcribing letters to a page. These definitions are too crude, too mechanical. God hasn't put us here just to exist, but to live. There's a big difference between the two. Growing up is about growing into what we couldn't inhabit before. Like when you try on your parents' clothes in the game of dress-up. Life is about equipping us for the next stage. I find it so sad that all those dreams vanish at some point. Not all of a sudden, but gradually. Like... Life slowly dulls us to our dreams. We, we let it, thinking that we are just doing what is responsible, our duty, what everyone eventually needs to do. We accept this inoculation with a slight smile, politely, like it's all to be expected. Really, we should be fighting to retain the dream before it's gone forever. Or to recapture it, holding on to the remnants like they're spider's webs. Like when you're dreaming something so lovely and so pure and so wonderful that you don't want to wake up. Not yet. That's the way life should be. I don't know who or what is behind the mask. Who's the one administering the drug that dulls us to the best part of everything? I've come to believe that it's certainly not God. Perhaps the devil, yes, but I think that's giving him a little too much credit. Perhaps we should put more of the way the blame on ourselves like peer pressure when you're in school and some of the in crowd is trying to get you to take a little swig of alcohol at a party or take a hit off a cigarette behind the bleachers. This peer pressure, the adult version, is about fitting into the normalcy of society, finding your place as opposed to finding your way. It is, in essence, about the pursuit of money and fame and stuff.
but stuff just accumulates. It, it's a very little real, real value. At, at best, it will be destroyed or given away, and at worst, you accumulate so much that it suffocates you. No. Life is not about stuff. It is about inspiration. I heard once that that word means the breath of God. God breathed life into me and to every other person who's ever lived, and he wants us to do the same. He wants us to breathe life into our creations so that we can know the joy that he knows, <laughs> on a smaller scale, of course. He wants to guide us as we fashion those creations into living, breathing things and send them out into the world to work their miracles. Other people don't kill our dreams. That's just an excuse. Tragically, we allow them to die. I looked across the table at Troy, wondering if perhaps he was going to be part of the journey that was my life. I had had a crush on him for the longest time, but never expected to really see much of him again, let alone be on a date with him. But here he was, and there had to be a reason. Can I ask you something? I ventured. Yes, of course. Stirred my cake, my Coke lazily with a straw, staring at it to keep from looking at him. It was just nerves, of course. I then said, Why did you ask me out? After managing somehow to get these particular words out of my mouth, I glanced at him. Well, Troy said, laughing a little self-consciously. I know it's mean to say, but it truly made me feel better. <laughs> I, I came in a Dairy Queen that day, minding my own business, and saw you there. I recognized your name and then remembered you. From camp, right? I know that sounds a little weird, maybe, but that was a long, long time ago. He let out a long sigh. And when I saw you working there, well, you're you're just so pretty. I smiled bashfully, looking at the straw again. So, you're one of these superficial types, I said with a piercing grin. Well, he looked away. It was like I had caught him in a trap. I don't... I don't think I am. I just... I'm giving you a hard time, I admitted. Don't worry about it. I'm glad you did. Troy breathed a little easier. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you did, too. He looked directly into my eyes. And this is going well, isn't it? I nodded. Absolutely. I'm having a great time. Good. I'm glad we can be so direct about it. I haven't... He spread his hands out in front of him. To be honest, Abby, I haven't done a lot of dating. I guess girls intimidate me. You? I exclaimed. Yeah, right. Seriously. Every girl in this town wishes she could be sitting where I'm sitting right now, I said. Now, don't let that go to your head, but it's true. <laughs> As camp kids, we mooned over you. I shook my head, but my smile was unshakable. Ah, now I've said too much. Troy chuckled. <laughs> it's all right. I'm flattered. Yeah, my friends are going to be envious about this, especially Nat. They'll ask me a hundred questions about it. Troy laughed. So, then you can be on the hot seat, just like you put me there. I rolled my eyes in mock exasperation. The paparazzi are probably already on my doorstep. Let me call my agent, Troy said, and I can have the limo pick us up. I'll fend off the tabloid journalists and rabid fans. I took another bite of pizza and the silence lingered for a while. It was not an uncomfortable thing, though. 
We were just spending time together in the silence, savoring the moment. In between bites, we talked about the future, about careers and family, and what life has been like growing up in rural Indiana. We both agreed that, for the most part, it had been pretty good. Afterward, Troy drove me back to the house and came around to open the door for me. He escorted me up the steps to the front door, scoring points with my father for sure. I had a great time, I said, using that generic overused farewell that has been used by girls like me throughout history. I genuinely meant it, though. Me too, Troy said. I, I hope we can do it again. I gave him a sly look. Maybe. I'll check with my secretary and see if I might be able to squeeze you in between book signings and filming that next movie of mine. He smiled, shaking his head. No, of course I want to do it again. I'd love that, admitted. I stood on my tiptoes and kissed his cheek. Thanks for dinner. You bet. I went inside, bypassing the living room where Dad was watching a basketball game. He didn't see me come in, so I successfully managed to avoid the typical questions, at least for now. Safely sequestered in my room upstairs, I looked between the curtains, just in time to see Troy drive off. Optimism swelled within me, and I tried to shrug it away, but it's hard to brush off the first date with your biggest crush. I was definitely hoping that this would be going somewhere, even with college looming on the horizon. I would not be that far away, after all. Hey everybody, if you're enjoying Threads of Time, the serial novel here on ThrillerCast, I encourage you and hope that you'll check out my first published novel, The Birthday Girl. It is a cat and mouse psychological thriller. You can purchase it on Amazon.com, either an ebook or print edition. Check it out today, and thank you so much for tuning in to ThrillerCast.